Hello, this is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Q1370 WQLL. Catholic Baltimore is a weekly radio program hosted by the Archdiocese of Baltimore, airing each Sunday following the broadcast of the Radio Mass of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic radio partners for sharing with us some of the contents in this program and for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to the Archdiocese of Baltimore every Sunday. This is Sean Kane, and you're listening to Catholic Baltimore. We're here today speaking with Dr. Trisha Pine. She's director of the Associated Archives at St. Mary's Seminary and University in uh, Roland Park. Dr. Pine, thanks for being with us. Good to be here. The Archdiocese of Baltimore is the oldest diocese. St. Mary's Seminary is the oldest American seminary. And the Sulpicians, who operate St. Mary's, were the first order that uh, Bishop John Carroll sought for assistance in here in the new Diocese of Baltimore. You oversee the collection of all three of these entities, making it one of the most important jobs in preserving the history of the American church. How does that make you feel when you walk in every morning uh, knowing that you have such an important job? Well, it, it really is a privilege to be steward of the collections that are so significant to understanding the founding and development of the Catholic Church in this country. And the program they've created here in Baltimore is pretty unique. It came about through the collaborative effort of the Archdiocese of Baltimore, St. Mary's Seminary, and the U.S. Province of the Sulpicians, and serves as the repository of these three organizations' archives. And the idea for bringing these archives together is credited to Cardinal William Keeler. Uh, and he's the one that um, suggested that they jointly fund the building of this new facility at St. Mary's, uh, which opened in the spring of 2002. So we're just marking our, uh, what is it, our 13th mm. anniversary very shortly. And they continue to share the cost of operating the program. Uh, and in bringing these collections together it really highlights the long and shared history of these three institutions that, as you said, dates back to the founding period of the U.S. Catholic Church. And as you point out, it also includes uh, two archbishops who were also Sulpicians. So there, there really is a very close history between uh, the Sulpicians, St. Mary's, and the Archdiocese. That's great. So the, the collections, while they're all housed together, they're separate. Is that right? That's right. That's right. Each uh, institution continues to own their, their archives, and they have specific policies for caring for their uh, records and for access and, and how, they're, how they're managed. So they're all in one facility, but there's three different areas that have been allocated in the building for where the collections are housed, and the uh, division between them is very clear. That must make for a very expansive um, collection, and I'm wondering uh, how how they're organized. Uh, sure. Uh, well, for the most part, um, we have um, a paper. It's a largely a paper archives in our holdings. We have uh, letters of the archbishops, administrative uh, papers for the uh, provincials of the uh, Sulpicians and for the operation of the uh, seminary. We also have things like uh, photos and we have a small library, uh, very few artifacts. Uh, we also have a collection of uh, sacramental registers from the Archdiocese parishes on microfilm, which is probably one of our most heavily used collections in the uh, in the holdings, and we also have the archdiocesan newspapers and microfilm as well. So it's a it's a good mix, but it, it's mainly paper beeps. So you have to be prepared to read uh, when you <laughs> come be able to, to, go to, to visit a lot of, us. A lot of paper. So um, 
can you give us a little bit of a feel for some of the more notable pieces that are in the collection that might be of interest to some folks? Sure. Probably the most important uh, document that we have in our holdings is the papal document that established Baltimore as the first diocese in this country and appointed John Carroll uh, bishop. Uh, We also have letters from U.S. presidents, including uh, Jefferson, Madison, uh, Teddy Roosevelt. Uh, We have uh, letters uh, and drawings of uh, Henry Benjamin Latrobe, the father of American architecture, who designed uh, Baltimore's uh, first uh, cathedral. Uh, We have uh, letters from bishops around the country and around the world, letters from the Holy See on a whole uh, range of matters. Um, We also have things like uh, letters from the holy men and women from the archdiocese who responded to the cause of the local church and went on to found religious communities, hospitals, schools, and churches here. And we also have letters from the laity that talk about their experience of what it was like to uh, settle in Baltimore, frequently from a from a foreign land, the struggles they went through uh, to find jobs, support their families, build churches and schools uh, for their communities, and and just to share what it what it meant to be a Catholic uh, in uh, in Baltimore. So it's it's a wide range of matters. Uh, I always say it's it's not just a, a collection of documents that we have in our, our buildings. It's uh, these are the documents that give witness to the history of the Archdiocese of of Baltimore, and they really are a legacy and why it's so important that we uh, that we preserve them and take such good care of them. You mentioned um, uh, President Roosevelt, uh, Theodore Roosevelt. He was uh, particularly close to Cardinal Gibbons, who was the longest serving uh, Archbishop of Baltimore, wasn't he? That's correct. He was our ninth Archbishop, and he uh, came into office in 1877 and died in 1921, so that was quite a long uh, period of time to be in office. Uh, he was recognized to be leader of the U.S. Catholic Church during that time period, and so this is why we see U.S. presidents turning to him uh, for advice on different matters, particularly on uh, Catholic issues or matters that affected uh, the Catholic community, and, and one of those presidents that he became quite close to was Teddy Roosevelt. So uh, we do have a number of letters uh, and uh, uh, photographs of the two of them uh, together. That must be pretty interesting, though, when you're uh, able to go through the archives and see letters, that, you know, you're holding letters that were written by U.S. presidents. Oh, absolutely. Pretty special, along with uh, letters from um, those who went on to be declared saints, such as Elizabeth Ann Seton or St. John uh, Neumann. Uh, so it, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's always just a thrill to open up a box, and sometimes you're never quite sure what <laughs> you're going to find, but then right. you usually will find a treasure. Um, I would imagine there'll be people who hear this program who may have some interest in seeing uh, those documents that are publicly available for view. Um, is, it, is the archives available to the public, and if so, how do they, how do they uh, make that happen? Sure, uh, we are. Um, we um, we do have a web page that uh, has a, a good description of the holdings that we have in our archives and what's open for people to uh, consult. Uh, we do require that people make appointments uh, to come in and work with the material. Said uh, some of our most heavily used collections are the uh, sacramental records, which is why we do require appointments because we do have so many people uh, coming in to take a look at them, and also those who want to look at the uh, archdiocesan newspapers, our collection of directories for people who 
want to go back and um, reconstruct what their parish looked like over time. They want to see who the pastors were, how many people were attending their parish, uh, who was uh, operating the school, how many students were enrolled, uh, so things like that. So we have a number of resources that are of great interest both to the family historian and the parish historian. Uh, we also have a number of uh, scholars and graduate students who come in who are working on various projects, books, articles, dissertations who do need to have access to the papers of the archbishops and the provincials of the Sulpicians uh, to uh, develop a better understanding of the project that they're researching. Why is it important to preserve history by holding on to such things as letters and photographs? Well, I, I, I think as um, I, I mentioned a minute ago, uh, we really have to see these as um, uh, as our legacy. They give uh, voice to those who went before us and relate to them, their experiences, their their struggles, their triumphs, their, um, uh, their, their witness to what it was to be uh, a, a Catholic at a certain point in time. And these documents allow us to do that. They allow us to go back and reconstruct what was happening at a particular point in time and understand what the church was going through uh, in different points in history. And how is, how is technology um evolved and and changed the way people who do what you do well it's had a tremendous impact on our research it's it's um, allowed us to do many things that we weren't able to do in the past um, particularly in how we organize our material uh, where it's really had the greatest impact um, uh, probably is in our ability to digitize a number of our holdings, specifically photographs. Uh, in the past, when someone wanted a copy of a photograph, we would have to take it out to a photo lab and then go back and pick it up, and it was a very time-consuming process, but now we can just scan it in uh, to the dimensions and specifications of, uh, of the people who made the request, send it to them, and then once it's scanned in, we can continue to use it in whatever format, either uh, for other requests or in publications or on the website, so it really just enables us to do so much more with our photo holdings and so much quicker and uh, and more efficiently for the for the staff. You mentioned the sacramental records are popular and I assume that's because you have people doing uh, genealogy family history research. Right. right uh, so uh, what do you uh, what advice do you have for the amateur if not the expert genealogist? Well, again, uh, uh, we have a page on our website that is dedicated just uh, for those who are interested in working on their family history. It uh, reviews what we have in our holdings, but also we have a number of resources and uh, suggestions for those who are just getting started, uh, the information that they'll need to know uh, to get started to identify, to identify where their family lived, what parish they might have uh, attended. Uh, we have links to a number of other resources, just as census records, online directories, um, different repositories that have records that would be of interest to those working on their on their family history so um, would recommend anyone who does have some questions as to how they get started or perhaps maybe how they continue their research if they've run into a dead end to take a look at our our website for some uh, some suggestions well um, I'm sure the information that you uh, are making available on your website as well as the um, the wonderful organization of the archives uh, will make it as easy as possible and the people who come there and uh, again, for information, uh, visit the archives uh, webpage, which is part of the St. Mary's uh, website. Correct. It's uh, uh, stmarys.edu. Perfect. And uh, for more information, please visit that website. Dr. Tricia Pine uh, from St. Mary's Seminary, thanks for being with us.
Catholic news from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. The U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops is establishing a working group charged with developing spiritual, pastoral, and policy advocacy support for immigrants and refugees, according to a report from Catholic News Service. Cardinal Daniel N. DiNardo of Galveston, Houston, USCCB president, has named members of the working group with the mandate of closely following developments related to immigrants and refugees in the United States. Archbishop Jose H. Gomez of Los Angeles, USCCB Vice President, will chair the group. The groundwork for the working group was set during the bishop's annual fall general assembly in Baltimore when several bishops suggested the conference closely monitor actions by the federal government that affect immigrants and refugees. In announcing the working group, the Public Affairs Office said the bishops and USCCB staff will be ready to respond to any executive orders and legislation that the new Congress and President-elect Donald J. Trump may introduce. National Migration Week was observed last week, January 8th through the 14th. Visit catholicreview.org for more information. It's award season in Hollywood. Golden Globes have already been presented, and Oscar nominations are expected to be announced January 24th. Before you head out to the theater, be sure to check out our movie reviews at catholicreview.org. Reviewers from Catholic News Service and the Catholic Review provide classifications that let you know for which audience a film is best suited. They also provide information about any moral objections that may be raised in a film. Some recently reviewed movies include La La Land and Manchester by the Sea, along with Silence, a critically acclaimed film about Catholic missionaries to Japan. For more information, visit catholicreview.org. From the newsroom of the Catholic Review, this is George Matisek. Do you want to know more about what's going on in the church and the world than you can get from your daily newspaper or local TV? Read the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the church full-time, The Catholic Review. Pick up the print magazine monthly at your parish or have the Catholic Review delivered to your home every month. You can get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to the Catholic Review e-newsletter for twice a week updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Find our app on Apple and Android and follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Wherever your faith takes you, Catholic Review Media is ready to inspire, teach, inform, and engage. Read it today, in print and online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. You are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Q1370 WQLL. Hi, welcome back to Catholic Baltimore. This is Sean Kane, and we're here today with uh, Father Gil Seitz, who works in the tribunal for the Archdiocese of Baltimore. Father Seitz, thanks for being with us today. Good morning, Sean. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. You you work in the uh, marriage tribunal for the Archdiocese. Can you explain to our listeners what the tribunal does and why it exists and what its primary role is? Yeah, the tribunal exists primarily to give people a forum in which they can vindicate their rights, just like in any kind of group or organization, the law of the the church has laws, and uh, there are opportunities for folks to come and in this particular forum, uh, vindicate their rights. It, it, the tribunal is basically, Sean, uh, the church court system. 
just like any civil jurisdiction has a, has a court system, so the church does. And our purpose is to ensure that folks experience justice. But what's unique about our system is that you not only in our system experience justice, as you would in the civil system, but hopefully we do that in a way that allows you to encounter Jesus. And that's what's absolutely critical and essential about our system. It must be not only about justice, but also encountering Jesus. If we don't allow people to encounter Jesus when they come to us, as I tell uh, the officers of the court, we failed them. So how is the tribunal set up, just briefly, in terms of helping people understand? You, you mentioned that the court, you know, explain that for mm-hmm. people. It, like any court, we have, we have judges who make decisions, the decision makers. We have notaries, people who uh, make a record of what transpires in the in the course of our work. We have lawyers, advocates that represent people, be, uh, help them to plead their cases. So essentially, the officers of our court are, are similar to the officers that folks would see in a, in a civil court system. And again, their task is to, to help folks experience justice and, and to meet Jesus. So what are some of the kinds of issues people bring to the tribunal? Primarily, what we see are are cases involving marriage. Unfortunately, in the past 10 years, we've had other kinds of of unfortunate and very painful cases in which we've had to deal with uh, people who who are accused of misconduct, but but primarily we deal with cases involving marriage. Th- that's why, quite frankly, uh, we're usually called the marriage tribunal. We can deal. We're equipped to deal with more than those kinds of cases, but ordinarily it's cases related to marriage. And the reason for that is the church maintains that 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 all marriages have a uniqueness to them. All marriages change people's status in the church. All marriages are considered, as we say, valid. Uh, But some folks will come to us and say, no, wait, I was part of that. I was in that marriage. And believe me, this was not what the church says marriage should be. Well, now we have a controversy. The church says one thing. The folks are saying something else. Someone has to decide. Mm -hmm. And that's where the tribunal comes in. The tribunal makes the decision, as would happen in any kind of situation in which people are claiming guilt, innocence, right, wrong. The independent third party intervenes to make a decision. Mm -hmm. And so someone is coming to you seeking an annulment of the marriage. So can you explain what that term means? I'm sure it gets bandied about, you know, probably inaccurately at times. So what does it mean in the eyes of the church and how does your office yeah, it, 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 it sure does get confused. To, to understand what the tribunal does, it's probably good to understand what the church says marriage is. The church says, first and foremost, marriage is a covenant. It's, it's something that's instituted by God. It's something that's brought about by God. It's something that, that, that comes about because of the action of God. And, and that relationship that God brings about is always between a man and a woman. That relationship is unique, not only because it's brought about by God, but because it's a partnership, a partnership of the whole of life, a partnership of, of every aspect of life. That's the uniqueness of marriage. Now, the church presumes that all marriages are precisely that, brought about by God between a man and a woman in which a partnership of every aspect of life has been established. 
well, what if that's not the case? What if folks haven't been listening to God's whispering to, the, to their heart, and instead of calling them to this relationship, they choose that relationship? Or what about the situation where, where folks just marry because they think they must, or marry because the family says they have to? Hardly a covenant, hardly instituted by God, hardly a partnership. How do we prove that? How do we establish that fact? So the tribunal exists so that folks can come and, and essentially prove the fact that it was not what the church says marriage should be. If they can prove that, then they're free to marry again. So an annulment is a declaration by the church that says, for one reason or another, this marriage was not what the church says marriage is to be. And your office has taken some efforts in um, recent years to try and um, educate Catholics about what an annulment is and maybe um, dispel some of the myths surrounding annulments. Can you talk a little bit about what your office has done in that regard? Yeah, Sean. We're, we're, we're trying to do a couple of things. First of all, uh, what we're trying to do is get out to parishes and let folks see who we are. Let folks see the face of the tribunal, if you will. Let folks see what we're about. And we do presentations in parishes, usually about uh, six or eight a year in various parts of the archdiocese, from western Maryland to southern Anne Arundel County, from uh, up in uh, Hickory, uh, down to Clarksville. We try and, 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 and blanket the archdiocese uh, every, every year and explain our service to folks, explain our ministry to folks, explain uh, what, the ch what the church does in, in this regard and why the tribunal exists. So that's one aspect of, of what we do. Another aspect is to, to try and make use of our website to provide information for folks uh, so that if they, they want to learn something about the tribunal, they can find some good information there. But mostly what we try and do is do one-to-one -one contact with folks. And, and, and listen to their story and, and explain how, this, how the tribunal can be of service to them and, and how we might be able to help them uh, in, in the situation in which they find themselves. So often folks who have experienced broken or failed marriages find themselves in, in just really, really difficult, painful, hurtful situations. And, and sometimes just by listening to those folks and, and letting them know that the church is there and the church cares for them, um, they, they can meet the, the healing presence of Jesus. And that, that's just so important mm -hmm. and that's so essential to what we do and who we are as a tribunal. What are some of the um, uh, myths that you encounter, some of the misinformation People come with preconceived notions, uh, cost, time, those kinds of things. Can you touch briefly on those? Yeah, someone just tried to convince me uh, recently uh, that uh, uh, bringing a case before the tribunal costs $5,000, and that was pretty amusing. <laughs> That's hardly the case. Um, money is probably the biggest myth that it costs an, an exorbitant amount of money to bring a case to the tribunal. I, I suspect folks have that 
have that perception because of what they experienced in uh, their civil divorce proceedings, which can be rather costly. That's not the case. That's simply not the case when it comes to the, the service, the ministry that tribunals throughout the United States, in fact, offer. Uh, in the Archdiocese of Baltimore, it will be no more than $550 for you to uh, uh, bring your case to the tribunal. That's all there is. There will be no other costs involved. Uh, so that, that's the first myth. Mm -hmm. uh, the second myth is that it takes an extraordinarily long period of time. Uh, someone was telling me about a case that, that took seven or eight years. That's just not true. Uh, today, it might take seven or eight months, but certainly not seven or eight years. They're primarily the two mm -hmm. biggest myths that, that unfortunately folks labor under, and, and we've been doing our best to try and dispel sure. those. I think educa education campaigns are helping a great deal. We've got about 30 seconds left. How can people learn more about uh, what the tribunal does, how they can contact the tribunal, and maybe learn more about when your next uh, education event is? Please call us. Call us at our uh, main office number, 410-547-5500. Three, or visit our website at archbalt.org. Father Gil Seitz from the Tribunal of the Archdiocese of Baltimore, thanks for being with us. Thanks, Sean. Great to be here. For 143 years, New Cathedral Cemetery has served the needs of the Catholic community of Baltimore and Central Maryland. New Cathedral is the only cemetery owned by the Archdiocese of Baltimore and is the final resting place for many religious orders and famous citizens. 125 acres of rolling hills, trees, and beautiful monuments, the cemetery is an oasis of peace and tranquility and is located off Edmondson Avenue just outside of Catonsville. New Cathedral is dedicated to the task of tending to the mortal remains of our dearly departed and has many more years of available space. If you are in need of a burial site, vault, monument, or marker, or just a respectful location to place your cremated loved ones, our counselors will help you through this process and make sure the wishes of you and your loved ones are honored. Visit us online at newcathedralcemetery.org, like us on Facebook at New Cathedral Cemetery Bonnie Bray, or call 410-566-7770. Life can be hard, and at times we feel overwhelmed and alone. When faced with problems, know that there is a group of Catholics who are part of the prayer ministry of the Archdiocese of Baltimore, waiting to lift you and your needs to God in prayer. This ministry is comprised of men and women, young and old, religious and lay, from every ethnic and cultural background. They pray as individuals and in groups, in homes and meeting spaces throughout Baltimore. Like you, they are people who have suffered the same hurts, fears, pains, sickness, loss, and everyday burdens. Learn more about this ministry by visiting our website at www.archbalt.org. If you are in need of prayer, send your prayer request to prayers at archbalt.org or by phone to 410-547-5517. Would you like to volunteer to be a part of the ministry? Prayer ministers are always needed. Please call or email our coordinator who would be happy to speak with you. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Baltimore. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May God bless us and keep us always in his love.